Amen. Thank you so much. All right, let's take our Bibles, if you would please, to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter number 2, 2 Corinthians chapter number 2. Uh, it is good to be in the house of the Lord. I always enjoy church, and uh, I enjoyed revival meeting last week. What a blessing that was to have Dr. Hamlin with us, and I believe we got some help from the Word of God. But listen, just because we had a revival meeting doesn't mean that's the only time revival can take place. Uh, revival ought to be a personal thing between us and God that happens every day of our life uh, because we get into the Word of God and we begin to study it. And so 2 Corinthians chapter number 2 uh, is where we're going to be at this morning. And I would invite you to stand with me out of respect for the Word of God this morning. Just two verses of Scripture we're going to read. I'm going to give you the title of the message and then we're going to get into uh, what God has for us today. I am going to try to hurry. I know we had some preliminaries this morning. But uh, listen, we ought to come to with a mindset when we come to church that we come to hear from the Lord. We come to know Him. And it's not about if it's 10 minutes. It's not about if it's 30 minutes. It's not about if it's 45 minutes. We just come to know God. And uh, that's what we ought to be worried about and doing. And listen, I know uh, we love our afternoon naps and we love our physical food, but we ought to love the spiritual food that we get from the Word of God. And so thank you so much for being here. 2 Corinthians chapter number 2, verse 10 and verse 11. The Bible says, To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgive anything to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgive I in the person of Christ. Uh, it in the person, lest Satan should get advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Our theme this year is faith that moves mountains. And I was reading on what uh, about faith and different things like that. And I, we've been going some alphabetically through different things about faith. And as I was reading just this week on 2 Corinthians chapter number 2, I had a couple days where I was homesick and I didn't really have much time to do anything but read. And so uh, I was reading uh, the Word of God and I came through 2 Corinthians here. And this verse, verse 11 is really where I really got focused in on. It said, lest Satan should get advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. And I began to think about uh, that word ignorance and what it really means. You know, I know there's times in our lives where somebody says something rude to us and we say, man, they're ignorant. But we really kind of use that in the wrong way because the word ignorant really means to have no knowledge of or to be unaware of. That's what it means to be ignorant. And so the Bible says that we're not supposed to be ignorant of Satan's devices. We're not supposed to be uh, to have no knowledge or be unaware of it. We ought to be aware that Satan's doing what he's doing. We ought to be aware of those things. But I'm going to preach to you a message this morning of ignorance in our faith. The faith that we're living for the Lord, there's some things that we forget about. Some things that we have no knowledge of or we're unaware of. They just kind of slip our minds and it hinders us. And I want to preach that to you this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for the day that you've given to us. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be in your house this morning. Lord, I stand where the arm of the flesh will fail me. I need your help and I need your touch this morning. God, I know that there's been some sickness going around. And thank you for the people being generous today and willing to change some things up. And uh, Lord, I know we like to fellowship, we like to shake hands, uh, people like to give each other hugs and all of those things, but uh, Lord, we ask you please get rid of this sickness that's been going around and a lot of people can't be here because of it and uh, Lord, I know Satan's using it uh, to keep people out of church, um, but Lord, I pray that you'll help us just to rest in you and that you'll heal us quickly and uh, Lord, just help us to be able to continue on 
in the work of the Lord. Lord, we sure love you and thank you for all your many blessings to us. I ask you, Lord, to anoint my mouth this morning. Help me to not say anything uh, that you would not have me to say. But, Lord, that I'll say everything that you want me to say. Lord, I pray that if there's any here today that do not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray they'll trust you today. Lord, I pray that as we leave out of this uh, church building today, Lord, that we'll be closer to you than we've ever been. And Lord, we sure love you and we thank you for the many blessings that you give us in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. I will ask you to please be patient with me through my voice and things this morning. I have been sick, not feeling well, and so I'm still on the mend. So if my voice sounds a little raspy and those kind of things, please just overlook that and let's hear what the Holy Spirit has to say and not what Pastor Colwell has to say today, okay? Let's listen to uh, the Bible today. As I was reading through this, it said, lest Satan should get advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Now, we just had a revival meeting, and it was good for our spirits. It was good for uh, us to grow in the things of God and all of those things. But it ought to be something that we, it doesn't take a revival meeting to stir us up. It ought to be something every morning when we wake up, there's just something inside of us that stirs us up to want to spend time with God. That's when true revival is really taking place. When we wake up in the morning and there's just a stirring in our heart that I can't wait to be with Jesus. I can't wait to talk to my Savior. I can't wait to spend a moment in time with my Heavenly Father. And I get to think about how oftentimes we, we forget about the goodness of God in our life and we forget about all that God has done for us and we just go about our everyday life and we're ignorant of what Satan's doing and the busyness of life that gets us away from God. And I want to talk about some things in the life of the Israelites that they forgot about. And, uh, we've been going through Judges on Sunday night, and we're going to focus a lot in Judges this morning as well. Just some areas that the nation of Israel forgot about, that Samson forgot about, that different people forgot about, that we are guilty of even in our life today. And we'll make application to that in our life this morning as well. In Judges chapter number 2, Judges chapter number 2, I want you to turn back there if you would please, to Judges chapter number 2. Now remember that verse in 2 Corinthians, our text verse where we started, it said, for we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. The sad part is, I think a lot of us are unknowing of what Satan's doing. We're not supposed to be, we're to be sober and be vigilant, the Bible says, because our adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And we ought to be alert that there's a real live devil that wants to destroy our lives. He doesn't want to just destroy my life and your life. He wants to destroy the lives of everybody in the whole world. And the reason he wants to do that is not because he has a problem with you. It's because he has a problem with the God who loves you. That's the reason that Satan wants to get after you. But in Judges chapter number 2, I want you to look at something in verse 6 through verse number 10. It says that when Joshua had, led the uh, had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man into his inheritance to possess the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. Now listen, if we thought about all the great works that the Lord did, we'd be here a long time talking about all the good works that the Lord had done. It said that all that he did for Israel. Verse 8, And Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being an hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the border 
of his inheritance in Timotheris in the Mount of Ephraim on the north side of Gaish. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. Now here's the generation of Joshua. All those people that had seen God do some mighty works. They've watched God do some miraculous things. I mean, here are all these people from Moses. I don't want to get ahead of myself. We're going to uh, focus on all that. But they saw all these great things. And now these people die. Look what it says in verse 10. It says, And there arose another generation after them, which followed in their footsteps and loved the Lord their God. Is that what it says? No. There arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. Now I'm wondering, in all of this, why we see here that these people are ignorant about God. Said they knew not the Lord. But wait a second, there was a generation right in front of them that had seen all the great works that God had done. Man, they had watched God do some miracles. Here these people are, man. Joshua's leading them after Moses had just passed. You just saw what God did, brought them out of Egypt. All of these different things that happened there at the Jordan River, man, it parts again after they just saw that at the Red Sea. They come across Jericho, all these things. But I want to go back in in our minds to when they were in bondage in Egypt. And when they were in bondage in Egypt, they began to cry unto the Lord and ask the Lord for help. And he sends Moses to Pharaoh and he says, Pharaoh, God said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, I'm not going to do it. I'm king. I'm, I'm the ruler. I'm going to do all I want to do. And guess what? God began to show his power, didn't he? God began to send some plagues. God began to send some things trying to get Pharaoh's attention, saying, Pharaoh, listen, you might be ruler over Egypt, but I'm ruler over the whole world. And if I want you to do something, you're going to do it whether you like it or not. And God started getting into Pharaoh's mind and into Pharaoh's heart as far as what he's saying. Wait, hold on a second. God started not only sending frogs and locusts and all these different things, then the firstborn began to die. Remember that death angel that was going to come by? He said the blood had to be on the doorpost and all the sides and all around. What a picture of what it is, how the blood of Christ got to be there for us so that we're not dead in our trespasses and sins. But guess what? The power of God saved them from the bondage of Egypt. But guess what they were ignorant of? They were ignorant of that power that loosed them from Egypt. That power that loosed them from the bondage that they were in. And as I thought about that, thought in my mind how the power of God that loosed them from the bondage of Egypt, and Egypt is always a picture of the world in the Bible, I began to think about my life and how I was dead in my trespasses and sins, and how when I was born, the Bible said there was none righteous, no, not one, that I was in sin, and my mother conceived me. And when I was born into this world, I was born a sinner, a wicked, vile sinner, one that was deserving of a place called hell because of my sin. And guess what? I was in bondage to the world and to Egypt. Why? Because I was in sin. But it took a great power that could make something that was dead and give it life. And that was because of what Jesus did for me. 
When he came and he uh, took upon himself the form of a servant and he was born in that lowly manger, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And by the power of Almighty God in, in the flesh form, he died on an old rugged tree to bury my sins and your sins upon himself so that the bondage of the world and the bondage of sin could set us free. And now here the nation of Israel is set free from bondage. They're going uh, now on their way to the promised land that God had promised for them. They're at the Red see and they're thinking wait a second the enemy's now coming behind us we've got something in front of us that we don't really know what's going to happen maybe we ought to been better off just to go back to Egypt and God parts the Red Sea they walk across on dry land God destroys the enemy they keep going now they cry out for water God gives them water from a rock then they want food God gives them manna from heaven they begin to complain about the manna, and then they want quail. God gives them quail. He leads them at night with a pillar of fire. He leads them by day, that pillar of cloud. All these things, he's guiding them where they need to go. That bitter water was made sweet. All different things that God had done for them, and all by the power of God. But here they are, now there's a generation that doesn't know God. And I got to think about, hold on a second, in my life, I, I'm experienced. I've seen what God can do in somebody's life. Because I experienced it myself. Because I was dead in my trespasses and sins and by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work on the death of the cross and the, the, the burial and his resurrection, because my belief in that, I was made alive, a new creature in Christ Jesus. And because I have that inside of me, guess what? There ought to be another generation that knows about it. But why didn't they not know? I'll tell you why. Because they were ignorant of the power that loosed them. They were unknowing of it. Why were they unknowing? I'll tell you why. Because the generation before cared more about what they wanted to do rather than the God that saved them and helped them along the way. Shame on us that have been saved from our trespasses and sins that aren't willing to tell anybody about it. I don't know about you, Brother Eddie, but I'm excited about being a Christian. I'm excited about being saved. People can think I'm nuts all they want to, but the fact of the matter is I don't have to spend one second in hell, and to that I say amen, glory to God, hallelujah. I don't have to die and burn for one second because I trusted Jesus as my Savior. And that excites me. But you know what's sad is that we live in America, the greatest land in all the world. And we, by the power of God, have been made a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And we come up to somebody that's never heard, and we say, Did you hear about that football game? We'll talk about all these things that really don't matter in eternity's sake. But let me tell you what, if you're a new creature in Christ Jesus, he's worthy to talk about. He's worthy for you to tell and shout it from the rooftops that, hey, I'm a child of God and I'm not ashamed of it. Why is it that a lot of people don't want what we have? I'll tell you why. Because we walk around as if we've been punished by being a Christian. I can't believe I'm saved. Now I can't go party anymore. I can't believe I'm saved. I can't do this and I can't do that. You understand being a Christian is the best life you could ever have. Walking with Jesus is the best life you could ever have. But see, they knew not the Lord. There's a generation that knew him not. Why? Because they were ignorant of the power that loosed them from bondage. There's a lot of people looking for something to fill that emptiness inside of them. 
There's a lot of people in Martinsburg, West Virginia that are struggling with, Lord, which way do I turn? Or they're saying, hey, I don't know which way to go. And they'll go to AA and try to find some help. Or they'll go to this and try to find some help. And they'll be looking around to this person and trying to find some help. Or maybe they'll go to this gang to try to find some help. When the only help they can truly get is through the love of God. And the power of God. Because guess what? I can't change anybody. And you can't change anybody. But the power of an almighty God can change everybody who's willing to come. See, they were ignorant. They knew not the Lord. Psalm 71, the psalmist said this, O Lord, when I'm old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not until I have shown thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. Why does our next generation, why is a revival meeting, why is that so foreign to them? I'll tell you why, because we who have experienced salvation and the power of God haven't walked in that power of God and we've been ignorant of the power that loosed us from hell. If I were to ask a show of hands, how many of you have ever seen a three-week revival where every day you're in church for three weeks? Most of us say, whoa, preacher, hope you're not thinking about that. Hope you're not thinking about us going to church for three weeks. That's why our country's dead. That's why our country's dead. You know why? Because we would, we would spend three weeks out on the beach. We'd spend three weeks going surfing. We'd spend three weeks on a boat fishing. And guess what? I'm for fishing. We'd spend three weeks hunting. That's more down our alley, isn't it? We'd spend three weeks hunting, all those kind of things. I'd go on a three-week hunting trip tomorrow if I was allowed. But guess what? I wonder if we said, hey, we're going to have a revival every day for three weeks. We'd be like, really, preacher? Come on, are you kidding me? You know why? Because we forgot about the power that changed us, that loosed us from hell. If you're saved in this room today, you ought to be excited to be a Christian. Amen. You ought to be excited that the whole world will know about the power that loosed you. Listen, I don't have to go to hell because of what Jesus did for me. And listen, if you're in this room today and you're not saved, you don't have to spend one second in hell either. All you have to do is trust Jesus as your Savior. So in Judges chapter 2, it said there rose up another generation that knew not the Lord. They were ignorant of the power that loosed them from Egypt and brought them all the way through and helped get through Jericho and helped them defeat all those different battles and all the things that they experienced. Now Joshua's gone. And all those generations that saw God do those great works were gone. And guess what? We've had revivals in our nation and those people that have experienced those, guess what? They're off the scene. And I got to thinking about this, is why do we not see it anymore? Because we've been ignorant of the power that loosed us from hell. But they were also ignorant of the plan that led them. See, God had a plan for their life. Look at Judges chapter number 14. Judges chapter number 14. Judges chapter 14, verse 3, through verse number 5. It said, Then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren, or among thy people, that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistine? And Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. 
But his father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord. They knew not that it was of the Lord. Now listen, God never wants you to do wrong, but God was allowing something to take place so that he was going to get the glory through all of this. God had a certain plan for the nation of Israel, and he has a plan for our life. You're saying God has a perfect plan for everybody in this room? He has a perfect plan for everybody in this room. But the problem, the reason we never find is because we're just ignorant of the plan that leads us. See, the Bible says this in Psalm 119, 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. But Scott, I wondered why people always say, I just don't understand. I can't find why God's, where God's leading me. And I'll tell you why you can't find where God's leading you, because you're not following the light that lights your path. If you get into the word of God, guess what he said he's going to do? It's a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. It will light the way that God wants you to go. And here's the thing. A lot of people say, well, how do I find God's perfect will for my life? I'll tell you how to find God's perfect will. Get into his perfect book and start obeying what his perfect book says. We want God to show us his, his future will for our life, but we're not even doing his stated will. You know what he says? Read, read the word of God. He tells us to do that. Meditate on the word of God. You know what he tells us to do? Be holy. He tells us to be holy for I am holy. He tells us to pray. We started off our service this morning with prayer. That ought not to be a rarity. We ought to start our lives off with prayer. Every day of our life. When we get up, we ought to talk to God. I know we get busy. But if we're too busy to talk to God, we're too busy. We get back to talking to the Lord. They were ignorant of the power that loosed them, ignorant of the plan that led them. Guess what? They were ignorant of the presence that left them. God's presence left Samson. If you go, I'm not going to have you turn there for sake of time, but in Judges 16, uh, when he's uh, there and he's beginning to, and Delilah and all those things that are taking place, and Delilah's there, and Delilah says to him, remember, she binds him, and she says, Samson, the Philistines are upon thee. And he says, and he wist not that the Lord had departed from him. You know what? Samson was relying more on his own abilities than on the power of God and the presence of God in his own life. And isn't it sad, brother guy, that somebody as big as God's presence cannot be with us, and we don't even realize it. We don't even realize that the presence of God's with you. You say, I thought you said God would never leave us nor forsake us. No, he's with you all the time because he dwells inside you. But God's presence isn't going to be with somebody who's living a life of sin and wickedness. You're not going to be able to know the presence of God. But what's sad is if you really have the presence of God in your life, you're going to know it when it's not there. And it's sad that we have a generation of people that don't know the Lord, that claim to be Christians, but they have no idea that the presence of God's not there. That's sad. You know why? Because we're ignorant in our faith. We're unknowing of Satan's devices. You know what Satan wants us to get caught up with in life? Just caught up with life. Living life. And listen, even though living our life isn't wrong, God wants you to live a full life for, your, for, for him, glorifying him. But the fact is we get caught up in the things we think are important and we miss the presence of God. So let me ask you this question. Is, a, is that a life that's worth it? Is it a life that's worth it when you don't have the presence of God? When you don't have the plan of God that's leading you? When you don't have the power of God upon your life? All is vain unless the Spirit of God comes down. 
All is vain unless we're following God's leading. All is vain unless his presence is with us. But Samson didn't even realize that the presence of God wasn't with him. You know why? Because for far too long, Samson just been relying on his own strength. And you know what? Far too long, we've been coming to church, going through the motions, just doing our things at our own strength, at our own power. Maybe we've taught our Sunday school class for so long that we just, it's just part of us. We don't even need to ask God for his presence. We just go in there and do it. I wonder why it just seems like that just kind of stale. We get up here and we just say, hey, guess what? We all want to serve the Lord. We want to do this. And we'll sit in the pew. Yeah, I know we need to. Then we go out of here and we just act like nothing ever happened. I wonder why the presence of God is not evident. You know what my prayer is for Faith Baptist Church is that the presence and the power of God is so evident in this place that as people ride by, they can sense it. They can sense it. You say, is that really? Could that really happen? I don't really think. Let me ask you a question. You think God is so small that people couldn't sense his presence if he's here? Listen, people could sense God's presence if we would just invite it. Listen, God is welcome in this place. He ought to be. He ought to be welcome as we gather. He says where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. But I think oftentimes we take that for granted that just because we come together, that we came together in his name. And I don't think we do that all the time. I think we come together in our name. We come together because I don't want somebody to think that I'm not a good Christian. We come together because, well, I guess that's just what I'm supposed to do. No, we ought to come together because guess what? God said, forsake not the assembling of yourself together. And when we come in this place, it's not about getting to hug somebody or shake their hand, even though that's a wonderful thing. It's because I want to hear from God today. And I want to sense God's presence in my life. Guess what? There's far too many places you can go to that don't have the presence of God. That's where you want to go. But I'd rather have five people that want the presence of God in their life than 105 that don't. Because five people with the presence and the power of God can do more work for God than 105 people that don't want it and that don't have it. You know why? Because it's not our strength that we do it. It's God's strength. Why was there a generation that knew not the Lord? Because they were ignorant of the power that loosed them. They were ignorant of the plan that led them, ignorant of the presence that had left them. But I want you to look at Judges chapter 20 as we close out this morning. Judges chapter number 20. And this is where I think the reason why we don't have the power of God and the presence of God following the plan of God is right here, summed up in this. Judges chapter 20 and verse number 34. It says, And there came against Gibeah 10,000 chosen men out of all Israel. And the battle was sore. And look what it said. But they knew not that evil was near them. They knew not that evil was near them. Listen, I believe there was a generation that knew not the Lord, not just because the power of God, they they were ignorant of the power of God that loosed them and ignorant of the plan that led them and ignorant of the presence that left them. They were ignorant of the problems that lower them. The sins that does so easily beset us. The wickedness of the world that we just invite into our lives. And we wonder why God's presence and God's power isn't there. 
You understand what separation is all about? Separation is not to live like the world, act like the world, talk like the world, do what the world says, and come to church on Sunday and say, okay, God, I'm your your child. That's not what separation is about. Separation is coming away from the world, not developing their philosophies, not acting the way the world acts, doing what the world... That's what God saved us from. That's what he loosed us from. Separation is leaving that and coming to where God is. Coming unto Christ. Separating unto him. But they didn't even know evil was around them. Isn't it sad that God's children can just go about life and it's just so much a part of our life that we don't even know. When something's not right. When there's wicked around us. We don't even know it. There's been times people giving my wife and I videos. Hey, I think your kids would love this. We pop it in. We go to listen to it. And in the first three seconds, we hear about eight cuss words. And we think, what in the world? What's this all about? And then we go to the person and say, oh, listen. Um, sorry, but we're not going to let our kids listen. I didn't even know that was there. I didn't even hear it. You know why? Guess what? We're bombarded by the world all the time. And the wickedness of the world. But sin ought to bother us. It ought to bother us. As a child of God, sin ought to bother us. And I know most of us are going to get quiet on that. And say, what, 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 do you, what do you mean sin ought to bother Does that mean that I have to get rid of a movie here or there? Listen, if it doesn't honor God, you have no business doing it. Period. You say, well, that would kind of limit. No, there's a lot of things you can do that honor God. A lot of things you can do that honor God. But listen, understand this. We're not supposed to act like the world, walk like the world, talk like the world, and then say we're a child of God. We don't even know that wickedness is around us sometimes because we're just ignorant of what Satan's doing. You know, Satan's done a good job of desensitizing God's people. He's done a good job of it. By the way, Hollywood has done a good job of making everybody believe that Satan's this little guy in a red, red suit with horns and a pitchfork that loses the battle all the time. Now listen, I've read the Bible. Satan's going to lose out. But you know what? There's a lot of people whose lives have been destroyed because they're just ignorant of what Satan's trying to do. They just have no knowledge of it. The wickedness of this world. If I were to come to you and ask every one of you, parents, if you saw a lion outside in your front yard, would you let your kids go out front and play? Most of you would say, uh, no. Especially if it was, you're in Africa a wild lion. I'm not talking about a, a tame lion. Even a tame lion is still a wild animal. I wouldn't walk out there and be like, hey, little kitty, okay. No, no, thank you. But if there was a lion out there and you could see him roaring and licking his lips, would you just set your kid out front and say, hey, go have fun, play? No, you know what you'd do? You'd shut up inside. You'd close the doors. You'd be putting stuff in front of the windows. You'd be trying to stop that joker from getting into your house, wouldn't you? But you know what we do? There's a real live devil that's a roaring lion that's walking about seeking whom he may devour. You know what we do? We take our kids and we just sit him right in front of them. And we just say, hey, y'all have fun and play. And then we say, preacher, I just don't know what happened. I'll tell you what happened. You played with fire and you got burned. That's what happened. Listen, we're not to be ignorant of what Satan's trying to do. He wants to destroy the work of God. And he's going to destroy God's work, not from the outside in. He's going to destroy it from the inside out by getting the world in us. And listen, they were ignorant of the problems that lower them. Here's the thing. If you struggle with something, don't put yourself around that. 
Biblical principles are a wonderful thing. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. It says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he'll be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That means that if you are a drug addict, you ought not to go hang out on the street corner where they sell drugs. If you're an alcoholic, don't go to the bar. Well, preacher, I'm just going to go and drink a Coke. You're lying. No, you're not. Don't put yourself in that atmosphere that's going to drag you down. But you know what? We just get ignorant of it. Well, it's just part of life. No, it's not. It's sin. And as a child of God, you ought to not be desensitized to the fact that it's going to drag you down. And you just got to follow Christ. We ought not to be ignorant in our faith. There's some people that believe there's many ways to God. But the Bible says no matter how much you read it, no matter how much you try to cut it, it says there's only one way to God. Jesus saith unto him, John 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So listen, if you're here today and you're trying to get saved any other way, sorry, you're going to miss the mark. The only way you can go to heaven is through Jesus. See, there was a generation that knew not the Lord. And I wonder why we have generations that don't know God. I'll tell you why. They, they don't hear about the power that loosed us. You know what? I want everybody to know that I'm a child of God. I want everybody to know that I've been loosed from the bondage of hell. Praise God for that. We ought to be shouting it, telling everybody we know about it, that we're free. In Christ Jesus. But about the plan that leads them. Listen don't be ignorant to God's word. Follow God's plan for your life. Ignorant that God's presence had left them. I wonder how many of you. It's been so long since you felt the presence of God. That you wouldn't even know it. If he showed up you'd think what is that? Listen if that's the case. We ought to get on this altar today. And ask God to help us. See, I wanted us to come down and pray this morning because I felt like there's so many times that we sit in church and it takes the whole message just for us to even get away some of this stuff that we've dealt with all week long. But if we start with our hearts just poured out to God, broken before Him, then guess what? When surgery takes place because of His Word, we can come down to this altar and just say, Lord, thank you for your Word and just help me along the way. We need to open our eyes today at what the devil's trying to do. He's trying to destroy the work of God. But listen, let's be strong and of a good courage. Let's stand in this evil day, having done all to stand, putting on the whole armor of God, that we'll be able to fight another day, that we'll be able to press on. Let me encourage you to do that today. With our heads bowed, eyes.